0: Hello, hello guys. So wonderful to be with you on another Wednesday, if you're listening on the day that this has dropped. I did go to Melbourne this past week and I had a great time and it was so good. I got to meet a bunch of you again who listened to the podcast. I always love getting to meet you guys in the flesh. So thanks for coming and saying hi. Um, This week we're continuing on with the Mental Resilience Toolbox. Now, these were meant to be a whole bunch of little mini episodes. I started last week. I talked about why I wanted to do this. And then we did an episode on, um, on shame, the four, the four ways that shame can be of benefit to us. And then the second episode was all about, 10 ways that traumas made me stronger. So we're going to drop two more today. Not so many. The first one's not so many, but the second one is. But just before I get going on today, which I want to talk about anxiety today, just to recap a little bit, we hear an awful lot about mental health. And I actually find it quite um, funny that we call it mental health because usually when we're talking about mental health, what we're actually talking about are mental problems, uh, emotional issues, disorders, problems that we have. So I think it's weird that we call it mental health. So I want to actually talk about mental health and in the flip, in the reverse, which to me is actually mental resilience. That's where true mental health comes from, is mental resilience. Now, I don't ever, ever want to downplay when people are going through genuine um, life events. Uh, all of us go through really difficult times, of course. But as you would know if you've been listening to me long enough, I think I've been watching and watching and listening and listening. And my observation is that the more we are talking about these mental health disorders um, it, it, it's like we're getting even worse or it's not helping, it's not fixing the problem. And so rather than just exploring them and talking about them, I thought it would be a really good idea if we came up instead with some solutions And we flipped it and went, well, how do we become mentally resilient even when we've gone through difficult circumstances? And of course, being a Christian, my first thing is to go back to the Bible and to the word of God. And so I set that up in the last episode, the, the first lot of the mental resilience episode, part one. So I really want you to go back to that. I think you'll find it in the shame episode, but I started off by talking about Elijah because this is the thing, anxiety and all of these other things that come with it are not new to this generation. They have been in existence um, since Bible times. So we find Elijah in One Kings who was definitely anxious and even depressed. And we see how the Lord dealt with it. And then if we move through you know, all of the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. And then again, in the New Testament, we see that God's plan for us is not to stay broken and is not to stay in those places, but to, to progress. And um, God's will for us is freedom. And that freedom includes our emotional and our mental freedom. So today's mini episode, there's going to be two. There's this one, and then I'm dropping the second one straight away as well. But I want to talk about five lessons that I've learned from anxiety. This one's a bit longer because anxiety is something that um, it's probably the most commonly recognized and the most commonly experienced. Now, funnily enough, I just had to pause for a second there because my dog came running in. Billy pushed her way through the door. Now she's sitting next to me. And so I all of a sudden realized I completely missed something off of my list today, and that is get a dog. If are you a dog person? I am not a cat person. I was talking with a bunch of ladies at church last night, and they all had a cat. And I'm like, I just got to walk away, girls. I, I just I just can't do cats. Um, but shout out to all my cat lovers out there. But um, dogs are actually really great therapy. And my dog Billy, she's a copper dog. She's actually. She actually is a therapy dog, so we always joke that um, Cameron and I need therapy, so that's why we've got a great dog. But one of the first things that I learned about anxiety, and this is from personal experience, is it's often those who are um, normally would consider themselves really strong and resilient that often end up finding themselves quite shocked to be in this space when where they are experiencing or suffering from anxiety. And I remember the doctor at the time telling me it is often uh, common amongst people that have got high expectations upon themselves, that are perfectionists, that are, you know, bordering on being workaholics. And so when you're the strong, resilient person, who's the one who helps others, it really is quite shocking to find yourself in a place where you're having panic attacks. And and that's what happened to me um, a number of years ago now. Now, just to give you a bit of the history of my family, I'd seen anxiety in my extended family um, on my mum's side, right throughout my mum's family. Even my mum herself had several nervous breakdowns after my dad left. So I was always determined that was not going to be me, right? Like I'm not going to be, you know, like my strange relatives who have these nervous disorders, which is what they used to call it back in the day. But lo and behold, about eighteen months after we moved to Queensland, that was me. And I remember, just I was so embarrassed. I felt ashamed. I felt weak. Um, but what happened was, I just started getting back into teaching, and I was actually lining up in in the supermarket in the Al I was shopping at Aldi, and I was lining up in the Aldi line, and all of a sudden, I felt like. Like, I was going to faint. Like, I got starry vision. I thought I was going to pass out. All of my shopping was on the conveyor belt. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. I'm about to pass out and they're going to call the ambulance and then I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be laying on the floor with the ambulance and all my shopping here. How embarrassing. And it soon passed. And you know, I, I went about my day, but I remember it shocked me and it shook me. I was like, what is wrong? Like, do I have a virus? And I didn't feel sick. And then a few weeks later, it happened again when I was just sitting at a cafe, having coffee. I can't remember if I was with someone or by myself. And so I remember I started to have suspicions. I thought, heck, um, maybe are these like panic attacks? And I was mortified, to be honest, I wanted to hide it. And this is the thing with, uh, anxiety. Um, when it rears, it it seems to rear its head when you don't want it to, like for me, it would be, um, it would start to rear its head as I would walk into a classroom to teach or because I first experienced it in the supermarket line. Um, you know, I would feel it often an attack coming on standing in the supermarket line. Even when I got up to preach, I'll tell you that story in a minute. So I remember just trying to really cope with this. So I would do strange things like I would wear sunglasses inside when I went shopping. And now look, for those of you that see me wear sunnies a lot, it's not the reason I do it now, right? I wear them inside because they're lensed and I can see. But back then I would put them on. I don't know that they were... Um, I don't know, maybe it was like some sort of protective layer between me and the world. Um, I remember even turning down preaching opportunities because I didn't want it to happen um, when I was getting up to preach or while I was preaching somewhere. And I kept this secret. I did not tell anyone except Cameron. Um, I did go to the doctor happened happened to be a Christian doctor who thankfully really helped me by saying to me, you know what, Renee, you actually don't have anxiety or depression. You're just experiencing some anxiety because, hello... Look at the recent massive changes in your life. And so she just pointed out, you know, you've lost all your support system. You've moved states. You've gone from having literally hundreds of friends to none. You've got no family. And so you're having a reaction to a life event. And also thankful. I am so thankful to this day that she did not label me. She did not say to me, you have anxiety. She just said, you're experiencing anxiety, but you don't have anxiety. And I think that's a real key takeaway there because it made me feel like, okay, if I'm just experiencing it, that's okay. I can get past that as opposed to it becoming a part of my identity where it becomes more ingrained. So I'm really grateful to that. I think that's something important. It's something that concerns me about our children who have been given the label on mass again. Um, because I think there's a big difference between actually having, um, having it as a label, as opposed to, you know, what, it is quite normal to experience anxiety when you go through difficult life events. But nonetheless, I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know how to fix myself. I felt trapped. I felt like this would be me forever. It it absolutely interrupted my daily life. And I know that some people listening would be like, well, you did have anxiety then. But um, like I said, I'm grateful that I didn't have it as a label per se, but it did interrupt my life. It interrupted my job. It interrupted what I considered to be my calling and my purpose in life, which was uh, which was preaching and serving God. Um, and I was teaching at the time too it made my world smaller. I became a little bit more withdrawn and I did pretend in public that I was okay, but nobody would have known until one day I read about someone else that was experiencing the same thing. And there are a couple things and I'm going to share them with you that I read and they literally changed my life. They changed my perspective and they helped me to find my way out. And so I want to share those things with you today because I think it will help you too. The first thing I read, Was this woman who said that she had been suffering with anxiety? And for her, there was this moment where there was a mind shift where she began to see anxiety um, as a beautiful friend that has come to teach her something. We tend to think of anxiety as this terrible, horrible monster that's come to, you know, torture us. And she said, instead of seeing my anxiety as this enemy and this thing to be feared, I thought, you know what? This anxiety is my friend. It's a gift to me because it's come to teach me something. And that was the beginning of a mind shift for me. That was a game changer for me. Um, And then there were two secular books that I stumbled across and I've still got them to this day. One is called, they're both eBooks. One's called At Last A Life and the other one's called Panic Away. Now, these two, not written by Christians, completely flipped my whole perspective and I slowly started to climb out of the dark hole that I'd found myself in. So I want to share these five lessons that I learned with you today that helped me to move forward and that I know if you employ these that they will help you too. And the first lesson is this, if anxiety is my friend, I don't have to fear it let me say it again. If anxiety is my friend, I don't have to fear it. Now I know that that would sound so countercultural to you right now. If, If you are suffering with anxiety, like how can I see this horrible thing that's robbing me of my life and interrupting my life as my friend. But the reason that we get stuck in anxiety is because we fear it so much. So something might happen, but in the end we end up fearing the fear. We fear the anxiety so much we get into this cycle. Do you guys remember the movie Monsters, Inc., where the monsters were employed to go into the human world to scare children and harvest their screams like for energy? Um, And they were always sent to the children's closet. I love that movie because there was this beautiful little girl in it with these big, massive eyes called Boo. Now, these monsters, it turns out, were as scared of the children as the children were of the monsters until, of course, Boo came along. So this adorable little girl, these huge big eyes accidentally found her way through the closet portal to the world that the monsters came from. And Boo soon became friends with one of the monsters, Sully. Now, Sully had started off wanting to Um, you know, salvage his career by scaring her. And in the end, he ended up wanting to protect her. That is such a great picture of our potential relationship with anxiety. If we see Um, you know, our anxiety as Sully, the monster, right? At first, it feels like this anxiety, this monster is just intent on destroying us and scaring us. But if we can change our relationship like Boo did, and we can instead think, okay, maybe this thing is not my enemy. It's not the monster in my life. It's the friend. Then maybe we can begin to see that the reason anxiety has come is because it wants to protect us. Like Sully wanted to protect Boo because the very thing that keeps us stuck in the cycle of anxiety is fear. So like I said, we fear the fear, and then the fear puts more stress on us, which creates more anxiety, which creates more fear, and the cycle goes on and on. So you might be thinking like I did. What if I have a panic attack when I'm at work? What if I never get better? What if someone finds out? And all of those fears are what keep are keeping us stuck. That fear keeps us in the anxiety loop in the and and it keeps us from living. So it was such a game changer for me when I learned this first lesson that this anxiety is not my enemy, but it's my friend, which strangely became the entire basis and the key to the anxiety dissipating. fearing it became the key to my freedom. Let me say that again. Not fearing anxiety became the key to my freedom. If you can see it as a gift, it shifts your mindset. When you shift your mindset about anxiety, it changes your approach and your approach changes the outcome. So not fearing something is the first step in breaking the hold. So the second thing uh, I learned, the second lesson or the second step is number two, if anxiety is my friend and I'm not going to fear it, then maybe I can welcome it instead. This is the next step to move from not fearing it to actually welcoming it. Now, I know when you are in the midst and grip of anxiety, this sounds crazy because human nature is to fight it, but that is not the way forward. The way forward is to welcome it. Why? Because in welcoming it, we break the fear cycle. In resisting it, We keep the fear, anxiety, stress cycle going. So let me be really practical. How do we welcome it? We welcome it in a really practical way that involves self-talk. So when we feel the anxiety coming on, and for all of us, that's going to present itself in a very different way. Our urge is going to be, "Uh uh-oh, oh no, oh heck, here we go again, panic, fight, resist. Instead, we can short circuit it by making it welcome, which reminds our, our um, amygdala, which is the part of the brain where we process emotion. When we welcome it, it reminds our amygdala amygdala. I always say that word wrong, that we're not fearing it, which is very powerful. So what you need to do is say out loud or in your head, depending on where you are, oh, oh, here you are, anxiety. You know, whatever it might be for you, pumping heartbeat, feeling faint. Here you are. I know who you are. I know what this is. Uh, this is just my old friend anxiety. No problem. All right. What do you have for me? Bring it on. I know what it is. Feeling a little shorter breath. No problem. Feeling whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Okay. Come on then. Bring it all on. Now, I know that sounds so simple, but I promise you, when you genuinely mean this, when you genuinely are like, okay, bring those symptoms on, bring that worry on, bring that fear on, bring that um, shortness of breath on, something incredible happens. Because we aren't reacting in fear and panic. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh no. I hope this stops. I hope this stops. I hope this stops. Because we're not reacting like that. We're not reacting in fear. The fear literally, it does something to break the cycle, to break the hold the fear subsides. Now, I never believed this when I first started doing it, because like I said, our human instinct is to panic. Oh no, here it comes. Shivers. I want this to stop. Not again. But if you can see yourself instead, like a bystander observing, okay, here comes anxiety. Remember, it's my friend. It's come to teach me something right now. And you become a bystander just watching it happen, observing your feelings, observing your reaction or your physical symptoms, and then welcoming them. Even dare to ask for more, like, come on, you got more? Is that all you've got? Is that all you've got for me? Because what happens is if fear makes the cycle stronger, then acceptance does the opposite and it short circuits it, it weakens it. So literally, I want you to talk to it. Remember, I know who you are. It's all good. A bit of shortness of breath never hurt anyone. Bring it on. Let me show you very practically how I use this tactic when it came to getting back on stage to preach because this was a hard one. Now, just to give you context, when I first started having um, panic attacks, Cameron and I went to speak at a young adult retreat. And I kid you not, literally as they introduced me, And I was walking up to the stage. I started to have a panic attack and I nearly died midair. I just thought, you have got to be joking me. And the rest of it was pretty much a blur. And I was more concerned about the fact I'd had a panic attack than the actual panic attack itself. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I began to really fear ever getting up on a stage again. I'm like, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to get back up. What if that happens again? So I really would panic, and um, I was so embarrassed. And so I just thought, I'm going to be stuck. This is going to be me the rest of my life. But how can I get through this by going back publicly on a stage again? And so basically, what I was doing is was keeping myself in this in this cycle of fear, which was feeding the anxiety. And so what I did is I did exactly what I decided, I decided these, those first two things, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to fear it for starters. So what? So what if I have a panic attack, right, on the stage? In fact, number two, what do we do? We welcome it. And so I changed my mindset to one of welcome. And this is how I did it. This is what I thought to myself. I'm going to go up on that stage and guess what? I might have a panic attack while I'm up there. Because remember, if I resist it, resist, resist, fear, fear. Oh no, what if I get up? What if this happens? How embarrassing. That puts me into a state of stress and fear, which has got more likelihood of bringing on an anxiety attack. So I flipped it and I said instead, so what? I might have one going up onto the stage. Bring it on. If that happens, guess what? I'll just turn it into a ministry moment. I'll ask the band to come back on. Who cares? No one's going to ever know. They're going to be looking at the band and not me, and I can get a minute just to, you know, poise myself. All good. And when I took that approach and I got back up on the stage knowing I had a plan and my plan was to go, so what? Go for it. Have a panic attack in front of everyone. I'll just turn it into a ministry moment. I tell you, I never had another panic attack on a stage ever again. So, welcoming it stops the fear, which short circuits the anxiety. Okay, lesson three. So, firstly, decide I'm not going to fear it anymore. It's my friend. Secondly, I'm going to welcome it. So, what do I do? Thirdly, don't try and fix it. Okay, let me say it again. Don't try and fix yourself. Don't try and fix anything. Just don't fear it. Welcome it. It's not something that you have to try and get rid of. In fact, let me tell you a really incredibly powerful key. The more you try to fix yourself, the more pressure you're going to put on yourself and the more you're going to go straight back to feeding the fear and the stress that led to the anxiety to begin with. Okay? Just let it be. Now again, I know this sounds weird. Human instinct is I've got to get better. I've got to get over this. Now, You have to let yourself be. This includes anything that you try and do to make yourself better, even supposedly good things like quoting scripture and praying. Now, don't get me wrong. I still prayed and I used scripture because that is powerful, but I wasn't doing it with the intention of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I've got to fix myself. I've got to fix myself. Quick, quote scripture, quote scripture, quote scripture. Okay, that's not quoting scripture out of uh, a trust process that, Lord, I accept what's happening to me, but your word is powerful. No, 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 no. You've got to be, you cannot trick your amygdala. I'm telling you now, it is so clever. You can't trick it. And so you can't, uh, you can't use anything if it's with the intention of fixing yourself, even if it's a good thing like prayer and scripture. Okay. Like I said, the amygdala is the part of the brain that processes of uh, emotion. It is so clever. If you are behaving a certain way to try and fix anxiety, your amygdala sniffs that out immediately and it will put you even more on edge. You have to get to the point where you really, truly don't care. And yes, I mean, you almost have to be able to say, if I have anxiety the rest of my life, so what? If I panic the rest of my life, so what? And the weird thing is, as soon as you take that approach and you really mean it, it literally takes the fear out of everything. Then and only then can your amygdala go, oh, now I can rest. This is what gives your mind and emotions and brain the relief that it's been looking for. Anything else? like the pressure to fix yourself, just adds to the pressure and the stress which will keep you in the cycle of anxiety. Just remember your amygdala is really clever. It knows the difference between pretending to not care and truly not caring. Let me give you this analogy before we move on to lesson four. There are many, uh, many women over the years who have struggled, say, to get pregnant, right? And it really stresses them out and they try anything and everything and all good things, right? like better diet, better sleep, meditation, vitamins, you name it. Now, there have been many, many cases recorded over and over when the couple finally, they're just at the end of their rope, right? They're just like given in, given up. We can't do it anymore. Too stressful. And it's then all of a sudden that they find themselves getting pregnant. Why? Because before they were always in a state of stress, even the good things they were attempting were done out of this desperation and panic. But when they truly relaxed, gave in, whatever will be, will be, the stress stopped, the mind and the body relaxed, and they got pregnant naturally. So you can look that up yourself. So what have we done Three things, we've recognized it as our friend and and realized we don't have to fear it. Then we've welcomed it. Thirdly, we're not going to try and fix it. Remember, we're going to come into a state of whatever will be, will be. Number four, be okay with the recovery process being one step forward, two steps backwards. Okay, that is what the recovery process is. Sometimes it's one step forward and 10 steps backwards, and that's okay. Okay. Again, if we pressure ourselves during recovery, it will put us back into the stress cycle, which will lead straight back to the anxiety cycle. You know, some people treat it like sobriety, right? You know, like alcoholics, they count the days that they're sober. And then if they mess up, they have to start counting that's my dog. They have to start counting those sober days all over again. A lot of people, they treat anxiety like this, right? They're like, "Oh, I've gone 2 days without an anxiety attack or I've gone 1 month or 2 months without a B or C happening, whatever it, that might be for you." And then if they have an anxiety attack, they're like, "Oh, now I'm back at square one." It's not like that. Any step you take forward is a step forward. Just because you might take one forward and 10 back, it doesn't mean you've regressed. It doesn't mean you have to start all over again. This is a process and it takes time and it's normal and it's okay. You might take five steps forward, 10 steps forwards and think, I've got this. I'm over it. I've recovered. And then you might have a panic attack again and go, what the heck? I thought I was better. Don't put yourself back in the stress cycle by doing that. It's okay if you take 10 steps forward and then you have two back. You're not starting again. You're, um, that's a part of the process. It's a part of the recovery journey, this forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards. It's it's just a, a setback. It's not that you're back at the beginning. Okay. And number five, the last thing I want you to do is ask, what has this come to teach me? Okay, remember this is your friend. We don't fear it, we welcome it, we um we don't try and fix it, we become okay with the recovery process, being forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, and finally, because it's my friend, what has it come to teach me? Now, this is the part where we start to see the good in what we thought was the terrible. This is the gift part, and it's going to be different for each one of us. For me. I tend to take on everyone else's emotions around me. I'm a huge empath, so I can literally walk into a room and I will feel what other people are feeling. I take it on like I'm living their life. I'm a deep feeler. Now sometimes this is a good thing, but sometimes this gets too much. So when I start to feel anxiety coming on now, I can go, "Ah, oh, okay. This is this is a gift to me because I recognize and I actually say as if, you know, anxiety were a friend. I'm like, "Okay, I hear you." I need to take a step back. I've taken on too much, too much of things that I shouldn't be carrying. So what is mine to carry and what is not? Now, what's the lesson for you? And maybe it's there to teach you, hey, you need to stop controlling and learn to go with the flow. That's another lesson for me. I'm really bad at going with the flow. Um, Another big one for me is it reminds me that Uh, my personality, for example, doesn't like change. I find it really hard. So even going to Melbourne, even when I travel for holidays, I find it really hard to go to a new place, have a new bed, different people, different routine. It, It makes me feel really anxious. I often will say that to Cameron like, oh, I'm feeling really out of sorts. What I mean is feeling really anxious right now. And it's the same with coming home because I've got to adjust again, and change unsettles me. And a bit of anxiety for me helps to remind me hey, You just don't like change and that's okay. Go with it. Let yourself feel it so that you can give yourself that time to adjust. And I just reassure myself this will pass in a couple of hours or in half a day. Maybe your lesson is to remember to not say yes to everything, to please others. Or maybe for you, it will be a reminder to live a simple life or to stop hurrying and rushing. Uh, For you, it could just be that you need to seek out a person who is safe for you, where you can download... And talk things through instead of bottling things up and getting to a crisis point. So just to finish off, let me go over those five lessons again, the five steps to helping you move towards recovery um, and to move towards the other side of anxiety. Number one, remember it's your friend and you don't have to fear it. Number two, if it's your friend, you can actually welcome it instead of fighting it. Remember, that's the self-talk part. Number three, you don't have to fix yourself. Remember, you can't trick your amygdala. Just accept it. You don't have to do anything. Even those good things you do, you have to really come to a place where you go, hey, that's okay that I feel this way. If I panic the rest of my life, so what? Remember that acceptance brings a um, incredible uh, an incredible break in that fear cycle. Number four, remember recovery is going to be a process of one step forward, two step backwards. And number five, ask of it, what have you come to teach me? I hope that that has helped you. Please share this with everybody that you know, um, and maybe bookmark this, save it, listen to it again and again. If you want, um, copies of those books and you can't find them, just look them up. Like I said, panic away at last a life. That was the best one. their eBooks, um, Otherwise, come and see me on social media and I will uh, show you where I found them. Thank you for joining me. Um, Join me for part two. I'm going to talk about how to manage our feelings. I'll see you in a moment. Bye.